0: Uh, This morning, I thought I would uh, just give us a little meditation from our message last Sunday in 1 Corinthians 3. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, we call it communion. And how fitting, because Paul's emphasis, the opening chunk of his letter to the Corinthians has to do with unity communion in Christ I want to take us back just to verse 10 11 and 12 of the first chapter and then pick up and review verse 3 and 4 of the third chapter I appeal to you Brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And then he begins to address these quarrels. And in chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, you're still of the flesh or fleshly. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? And he means that in a fault-finding way, because there is a very high sense in which we can speak of human. But he's saying we should be so much more than merely human. It makes you wonder how the Corinthians could have traded the transfiguration of the Holy Spirit for something that let them be merely human. I think the answer comes in the form of the fact that they engaged in what is merely human as a matter of course, by quarreling, by jealousy. Paul answers this selfishness in chapter 3, this selfish jealousy, selfish strife, selfish individuality, And he gives three pictures. Each picture communicates to the Corinthians, teaches the Corinthians, impresses upon them that there's no place for divided loyalties among those who name the name of Jesus Christ. The first picture is land, cultivatable Land, a rich land. And Paul says in using this picture that they're splitting, they're tearing apart from one another over leaders who are just laborers in the land, co laborers in the land. And that they labor in God's land. And it's not the leaders that they're identifying with, but it is God who brings the growth. And the next picture he gives is a building. And he says the leaders... And he singles out himself in particular, lay a foundation and build on that foundation. And then he turns to how they're building in that building, because they're building too. And he says, Jesus is the foundation. And then he introduces a third picture a temple. Not the entire complex, but the holy part, the sanctuary itself. That place where all peoples would associate the very dwelling and presence of God. And he speaks of the Holy Spirit dwelling, Holy Spirit, in that sanctuary. The remarkable thing is he says, you, you all are the land. You all are the building. You all are the temple. You are what God is cultivating. You are the building. God is building. You are the temple in which he dwells their unity, their community, their togetherness as the church is about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if we notice that. As many times as I've read it, he moves from God to Jesus to the Holy Spirit associated with who we are not Apollos, Peter, or Paul. What a difference if we see ourselves as God's land, God's building, God's temple, and God's colony, God's city, if you will, shining and a glow, a beacon to a weary, wandering world. In class, a little girl was drawing a picture she was so intent and so determined. She even skipped recess in her ardent effort to fi- finish her picture. When the teacher saw her still drawing, she approached her and said, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. Oh, honey, Don't do that. No one knows what God looks like. Holding up the picture, she said, now they do. (laughs) Paul thinks we can draw a much better picture of God. God's land, we know, brings growth. But he brings the growth. God's building is firm and all of the construction is stable and enduring because Jesus is the foundation and the temple must be honored and respected it should not be disrespected it should not be the object of sacrilege because it's where the Holy Spirit dwells. As I reflected on this this week, I thought about myself because I'm just like you. And so if I want to make a connection or help you to get something that can be meaningful to you each and every day of your life, then I have to connect it to me and my life. When I realize and when we realize that God brings the growth, we are the land, but God brings the growth. It makes me think of patience in my own life. When Jesus is the foundation, makes me think of perspective that I need to have. And when I realize that we are the temple, you, me, but together, we are the temple, it makes me think of respect, patience, perspective, respect. In my own life, I've grown patient. As I've humbled myself, to wait upon God, to wait for his growth. But that's not how I grew up. And I'll bet you, like me, are often impatient because you want to control things. Of course, you're responsible like me. And responsible people take charge. Responsible people sometimes have to force things or impose themselves on things, make things happen. Certainly, that's a message that's familiar in our culture, our society. But to be mindful of God, that He's in these things, that it's not just all about me. I'm not the only one that is His land. I'm not the only one that is His building. I am not the only one that is His temple. And to realize that He is the only one who brings the growth. It doesn't deter me from being concerned and being involved and being available and being diligent or industrious. But I want to be patient too, so as not to force things. I've learned that even within my own family, perhaps that's uh, a community a small unit that's supposed to be a unity that perhaps each of us can appreciate whether we're a mother or a father or a daughter or a son. We understand the dynamics of family. But as a parent, sometimes I feel such a responsibility. What will other people think of how the way I raise my children or how I conduct myself as a husband? Sometimes we see ourselves in our own honor reflected in those around us. And I've tried to I control things. I've tried to I'm going to have to force things and impose myself upon you. But as I've grown patient in the Lord, I realize, and then with his perspective, What kind of building am I trying to build here? Is it it a building for me, or is it a building that honors the Lord? Is it his building? Is it on his foundation? Is Is it Jesus who is the cornerstone, who is the foundation by which I gain the kind of perspective I need to complete my part of that building for this day, this week, this month, this lifetime? and that the Holy Spirit is not just in me, but in others. How many times have we witnessed, or even even in our own impatience, building a building at Maybe upon which we slap the name of Jesus rather than conform to the foundation of Jesus. We've trampled the work of God in the lives of another. Or we have diminished and looked down on the idea that God is in operation, that they are a part of his temple, that they are holy. In Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three, a very important chapter after Paul. In the first three chapters, or six chapters in his letter, or what we divide into chapters, the whole f- first half he has laid a foundation about the importance of Jesus Christ, and then in his opening words, when he kind of moves from what is the reality of what God has done, the truth, he then kind of moves to, well, what does this mean for us? How should we conduct ourselves now? Listen to what he says. It's, a one, it's one long sentence, the first three verses. One sentence, two parts. The first part is to live a life worthy of your calling, to recognize who it is and the beauty, the majesty of your calling. And the second part is to keep, to guard, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. That's a unity that the Spirit creates to maintain it. He doesn't say to build it, to establish, to initiate it, to create it. He says to guard it, protect it, maintain it. Let me read what he says. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another, sometimes enduring (laughs) with love. With love. And then to keep most seriously, earnestly. But I u- translate this word, which is so often a seriousness, a, a sense of the gravity involved. He says to keep or to maintain with seriousness the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Spirit unifies and creates that bond. We can break that. We can, Paul says, quench in one place. We can grieve in another, the Holy Spirit, First Thessalonians 5:19 and Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. In other words, We can ignore God. We can, God gives us that free will. And we can say in a sense, take your place, Lord, I'm in charge here. But that's not the attitude and outlook of one who is patient and recognizes God is the one who's growing. That's not the outlook and attitude of one who says, I'm building not on my foundation, but his. And his spirit is the one that dwells in what I'm building. And that investment and that building involves not just me, it involves the community of believers, the people of the Messiah. (laughs) That's what Christ means, Messiah, that we are to be. Paul is raising our sights. He's trying to help us understand who we are. He expects it to make a difference in the way we see ourselves and see one another. I want to draw your attention to verse 16 and 17 of chapter 3. In verse 9, he said, you are the land. You, plural. And he said, you are the building. You, plural. But then in verse 16 and 17, he says, you are the temple of God. Let me read it to us. Let no one deceive himself. Actually, he says, do you not know? If anyone among you thinks, excuse me, I'm in the wrong place. I was in verse 18. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And then there's another line right here. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. That's an Old Testament legal formula. Like in Exodus chapter 22 and 23, you'll find one right after another. If then. For example, there's a place in Exodus 22, 23, where if you dig a ditch and you do not fill it, and an ox or a mule falls into the ditch, breaks a leg, or dies you says the law are responsible there are clear-cut consequences even if you meant to fill it and you forgot this is really a sobering statement it's easy to just zip by because sometimes we need a whole sermon on just one thought to get it but it's no less profound It was stirring to me this week because when I compare what Paul says here, this sobering injunction, this harsh judgment, if I compare it to what he introduces in chapter 5, when he talks about a man who lies with the wife of his father, he, when you look at the judgment, the consequences. I, I, I'm, I'm more shocked by that than I am this idea of damaging God's temple. I'm, I'm more troubled by that. That's kind of my experience, my upbringing. That that someone should commit something of such an egregious or, or unjust sexual action like that. And what is the punishment? That he should be separated from the community of believers until he repents. And in fact, he does. And he's restored. But here, what... What Paul says is that God, if we damage, He will damage. If we destroy, He will destroy. That gives us some sense of the gravity of what Paul is saying here about schism, about division. We should not miss this. This is really powerful. It's shocking. It's even scary. Because perhaps like me, in, in our table of gravity or what's important, like me, we would think the wrong of chapter 5 is much more grave than the wrong of damaging someone else. But we don't talk about it that way. We talk behind that person's back. And we say things that are damaging to their reputation. As though the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell that person. Or that in the temple, the Spirit doesn't dwell in every part of the sanctuary, but just in my part. Or if we're in a clique or clique, a small group of tight people who are Friends that see everything the same. We can talk about that other part within the body of Christ. So they have less of the Holy Spirit. And in a sense, when we do that, we're impatient. And we're not, we lack perspective. We're lacking that reality that everything we do needs to be on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Even in dealing with, with my kids as a father, I'm so grateful they're out of the house now, out on their own. You never quit being a father. Don't look at my daughter, she's. I'm not. But there are times as a parent that it's not a battle just between adult and child. My daughter, my son are adults now, but even when they were children, I'm the head of the house, this is my castle, that was changed because God brings the growth. And when I build, I'm to build with excellence because I'm not building my own building, I'm building on the foundation of Jesus Christ and that pertains even in the way that I respond and deal with with my children or my spouse or in your case it may be your husband or your son, it may be another relative, but certainly these principles apply to the way we deal with one another because there is a bond of peace established by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that will outlast, prevail, and have a tenure and an eternity beyond any other relationships that we have. And we need to have this mindset. My brother-in-law, in every, yeah, just about every place he's ever lived, he... He, he builds a pond and he, you know, has, he has irrigation and the uh, he, he's kind of a Renaissance man, but he puts these goldfish in there. They're called koi. I learned that if you, If you put a small goldfish in a small bowl, it will stay at about two or three inches in size. But if you put these goldfish, these Japanese carp, these koi in a bigger bowl, they can grow to eight to ten inches. If you put it in a small pond, they can grow to a foot, foot and a half. And if you put it in a lake, they can grow to five feet I would not want to meet. <laughs> but just think about think about yourself here for a moment. When you enter into your relationship with Christ, we, we're crawling. we're like little babies. We need to be fed and we need to mature and we need to gain perspective and we begin to grow. But if we grow on the world, we're just going to grow in a way that is very unlike Christ. We may go to church, but we're not going to be anything like Christ. But if we feed and grow on who God is, what he says about us, what and who we are in Jesus Christ, in our understanding of the Spirit indwelling us, that's just expanding our minds and our hearts, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And like Coy, we will grow to the dimensions of the majesty and the plan and the purpose and the reality and the truth of God for each and every one of us. But in practice day to day, It has to do with remembering, (laughs) just realizing God's not way over there. You are where he dwells. And in his dwelling, we can trust him and be dependent upon him. Be patient, not try to force things. That's been very good for me. A guy who grew up angry and wanted to force everything. And we have that perspective that we're building on Jesus Christ because we are his building. And we honor one another with a respect. And we see not just who they are, but what God is doing in a person's life. And we contribute to that. We invest in that. And we wait upon God for the good things he's doing. And we ourselves are a part of the inspiration. What God is doing in the lives of his church because we inspire Christ-likeness. Reaching out, raising up, and reverencing Christ together. That foundation is what we respect and honor this morning in the bread and the cup. We come back to the beginning. As Paul said in Colossians 2.6, As you received him, so live in him. What a powerful thought. As you received him, so live in him. How did you receive Jesus Christ? Can you remember where you were at? Where your heart was at? Can you remember what it meant to you to let the truth of God and Jesus Christ flood your heart for the very first time. Remember those things. That's our foundation in Jesus Christ. I remember how broken I was and how God lifted my face and raised me to my feet And how I began to walk every moment, every day by faith. Even asking that simple question, Lord, how can I do this? How can I trust you in this? This is all so new. If we walk that way, independence, leaning on him in trust, that way today and tomorrow and the next day, What do you think God would grow in your life, build in your life? What kind of power would he display in your life? Let's take a moment to prepare our hearts. With your heads bowed, I was reminded this week of Philippians chapter 4, where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I read it again, I saw something that I... It struck me a little differently than it ever had before. We translate a word there, do, I can do. But the word is capable. I am capable. It's almost as though we miss, when we translate it, do, something a little bit more that could help us as we think about whatever we're facing right now, and that is the word face. I can face all things. In him, through him, because of him who strengthens me. What are you facing this morning that you need to bring to the Lord? Put at his feet. Be patient with him. To do? What is it that you are facing that you need to gain his perspective, to face in his strength, wisdom, in a way that honors him? It isn't all about you, but it is about you and the others involved. And what is it you have to face in which you forgot that God indwells you? You are holy unto Him. And there are others who have a dignity and a holiness that do not preclude building into their lives, cultivating, honoring Christ in how you do it. Let's bring those things to Him and trust Him. Step out in faith and in His strength to do things in a way that are eternal instead of temporal, spiritual instead of carnal. That think of the many and not just the one. Even as Jesus did when He took the bread And blessed it and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you.